You know, before I go into my sermon this morning, I want to just briefly again talk about the Ezekiel 38-39 uh, war, the Gog and Magog. We look at Russia, and we see what Russia is doing right now. The Bible prophesies that Russia will come down against Israel at that time. Now, I don't believe that Russia is going down tomorrow, but I do know that it's coming. The Bible says that when Russia takes up arms with Turkey and, and Iran and Syria and other nations there, that Israel will be... You may be seated, by the way. Israel will be a a city without walls, a country without walls, a country without a fence. We don't see that now. Israel right now is, is the most fortified nation of the world. Her walls are big. Her fences are big. Her defenses are strong. But something's going to happen, whether it is taking out Damascus, which probably Israel will do that, uh, will we'll probably destroy the city of Damascus in Syria. I, I, I just, it's very probable that Israel will do that uh, because the Bible prophesies that Damascus would fall, would be destroyed in that city. And, and uh, also what's going on with other nations around about that, that there, I believe that somehow through war or some kind of a, a treaty of peace, and it won't be the one that the Antichrist will, but it may be a pre-treaty that may cause there to be rest, or it could be war. But Israel is going to come to a time where it is no longer needing those walls and fences. Because the Bible said that when Gog and Magog and those armies about go up against Israel, she is a city or a country without walls or fences. So so I don't believe this is going to happen tomorrow, but I believe it's soon. When we look at that, and what else I want to say about that is that um, when will the tribulation begin? And how, and what has that got to do with the rapture? And what is the rapture? And a lot of those questions. And, and the one thing I want you to know that the tribulation is going to be after the Gog-Magog battle. and Because the Bible said that Israel will burn the weapons that are left in the fields after God destroys the armies through a great earthquake, that they'll burn the weapons for seven years. And, and what that means is, is we know that halfway through the tribulation, three and a half years into the tribulation, Israel the people of Israel are going to have to run into the mountains of Jordan to, to survive because the Antichrist is going to sit on the mount, the, the, the tabernacle that they build there, and he's going to desecrate it. And, and, and the Bible said, those that are on the housetop do not come down, but immediately run into the mountains where I will preserve you for the last three and a half years. So there's no way that Israel is burning weapons after the the, the halftime at tribulation. So we know that there has to be at least three years before the tribulation begins of burning weapons. And then, and then there has to be maybe three years into, or three and a half years, should I say, into the tribulation that they're going to be burning these weapons. 
and then we're going to see the Antichrist, uh, which Satan himself will embody the Antichrist, and he will he'll desecrate the the Holy of Holies, and cause the Jewish people to run for safety. So we see this timeline. I do believe it's in our time. I believe that it may be in the next few years. I think you're going to watch the Middle East. And you're going to see things, I believe, come to pass very quickly, just as we're seeing now with Russia flexing their muscle against Ukraine. We don't know what this war could entail. We do know this, that that Germany and many other nations have begun now to send arms, arms into Ukraine. Because I think they're looking and saying, wow, these Ukrainians are fighting. Well, okay, then let's give them the, the weapons that they need. I think a lot of people in the world thought the Ukrainians would just throw their weapons down and run, but they're not doing that. So Germany has just said uh, that they were going to now begin, give weapons. We are giving weapons. What might happen in that? And we know that Putin has said um, very clearly that if the West or if the United Nations uh, gets involved in this thing, you'll, you'll be hurting. That was a threat. They've all, and also re, uh, Putin has said recently that with Finland and um, um, think of the other country, Switzerland, Sweden, he said, if you two join NATO, you're in my crosshairs. In other words, you're in trouble. I mean, this guy is really becoming something to deal with. And, and we see uh, China there. Maybe now, shortly, they'll take Taiwan. We're beginning to see these things. But what we realize, too, is that we don't know what Russia might do. They may, and, and there's nothing in, and, and I just wanted to talk for a minute, there's nothing in prophecy about the United States. I mean, some speculate the United States is the young lion of Britain uh, that will say, do you go up to take a booty? But that's all they do. It means that the United States is weakened to a place where it's no longer a superpower or that the United States, and, and some say it's that great Babylon uh, that uh, they'll see the smoke all over the world and say, look, we see in one day uh, it has been destroyed. I see different prophecies and, you know, or different interpretations, so to say, of prophecy. I don't know exactly, but I do know that United States will not be a player when it comes to the Gog-Magog War, which may happen as short as, as uh, a, few, a few years, depending upon when uh, Israel will become an unwalled city or unwalled country. Okay, I just want to share that with you. Now, let's look at the rapture for a minute. I don't think there's any prophecies that need to come to pass anymore. I, th I think they've been fulfilled and Jesus could come tonight. Now, when we look at the rapture, we know that there are different interpretations of rapture. I've heard of, of pre and I've heard of mid. I've heard of post. I've heard of popcorn rapture. Uh, I'll share that with you in a minute. But, but in, the, in, in the pre, which I hold to, because the Bible says that the day of wrath is not appointed to his children. I believe the Lord's going to come and take us, you know, before all of these events take place. Whether it is before the Gog-Magog War 
or, or not, uh, he is coming. Um, there are those who believe that uh, in three raptures, uh, Future Pickett, which I admired greatly as a professor in, in, in college, um, you know, she, she believed that the, the bride um, is going to make herself ready and go to be with the Lord, and the church will have to be made ready three and a half years in and then go, and then, of course, there is the Jews at the last three. I don't share that. Um, then there are those that I, uh, people I respect that, that have an understanding of Scripture and believe that we're all going to go through the tribulation. Uh, um, and that at the end of the tribulation, we're going to be taken up and then come right back. Uh, it's going to be busy, I guess. Um, I, don't, I don't hold that. But I just wanted to share this with you. Uh, to, and then there's some people who believe that, you know, once the... Once the rapture begins, when you're ready, you'll just pop up. I call that the popcorn rapture. Uh, so it might be, you know, any time in that seven years, you might go, <laughs> because you just got ready. Um, you know, number one, I believe that the Holy Ghost gets us ready. Um, and you can see that wonderful, uh, that wonderful story with Eleazar uh, when Abraham sent him out to find a wife for Isaac. And uh, Eleazar went out. Uh, into a far country, and he found a wife, and he brought with him all the jewels and all the beautiful things to, to make her beautiful, and so that when she was presented to Isaac, she would look beautiful. And I believe the Holy Spirit's here today with all the jewels, with all the good things to make us look real pretty. Uh, and then when the time comes, he's going to bring us back to, to, the, to Jesus, and the Father's going to say, to the Lord, because Jesus said this, he says, no man knoweth the day nor the hour but my father. If you understand the Jewish wedding, and I don't mean to ramble, but I think it's important. If you understood the Jewish wedding, you see, the, the wife was betrothed to the husband uh, years before. We know with Mary that Joseph, she was, she was uh, given to Joseph and, and, and so on. This, this was the way of a Jewish wedding. And we are given to Jesus. Amen. But what would happen is, is that the husband, the, the, the future husband would live, if he was the eldest son, would live with the father, and he would build his house on, on his father's house, his, his room on his father's house. And when it was finished and when everything was ready, then the father would stand up and say, son, go get her. It's time. So that's why Jesus said, no man knoweth the day nor the hour but my Father. But he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And when it is finished, when it is over, my Father is going to stand up and say, okay, son, go get her. Only he knows when that will be. And he said, I will come and take my bride the bride that the Holy Spirit has prepared. What a day that'll be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his faith, the one who saved me by his grace. So we're living in exciting times, people. But as I said earlier, as it was in the day of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. They'll be marrying and giving a marriage and, and living a foolish life and not heeding the call of the Lord. The Lord is speaking. He's saying, it's time, my people. 
It's time to hear what I'm speaking. Noah preached for a hundred years. And the only ones he got saved was his own family, eight of them. Eight including him. That's pretty depressing. <laughs> but yet good <laughs> that, that his family did get on the ark. <laughs> but you know what? If you, were, if you were taking numbers, you might think, well, I don't know how successful his ministry was, but he was faithful. How many know God wants us to be faithful? And eight were saved by water. Now, I've heard people twist that around to say that's why baptism saves us. It's funny, though, that the ones that get saved by water never got wet, but we don't go there. <laughs> just, just a little observation. <laughs> but God is good, and we love him today. I, I just want to give us a time to just bring encouragement. And the one thing that we need to understand is each one of us were born with a purpose. There's no accidents. Your parents might have had one, but God didn't. How many know God knows everything? There's no illegitimate children. There are a lot of illegitimate parents. <laughs> but there are no illegitimate children. Because God knew ever before you were born what your name was. He knows everything. Amazing, isn't it? And he knew that you would be born. And I want you to understand that each one has a purpose. I, I want to take us to 2 Timothy 1 and 9. 2 Timothy 1 and 9. He said, who has served us and called us with a holy calling? Not according to our works. I don't want to burst your bubbles, but he didn't call you because you were great. <laughs> but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. That's the New King James Version. If you're reading out of the King James, you may see that they changed that word for purpose, but purpose is so important here. Who has saved us and called us with a holy call. And I'm going to tell you, you're not here this morning because you just woke up and felt like, I think I want to be good and go to church. You're called by a holy calling. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you today. The, the other day, a few weeks ago, I had preached a sermon, and there was a guy sitting in the back seat, and, and, he, and he told his brother, he said, he was preaching right at me. And, and Jeremy spoke up and said, no, that's how the Holy Spirit works. <laughs> he makes it personal to each one. Because he loves you and he wants you to get that word inside of you. In Ephesians 1.11, in whom also we have, we have ordained, uh, obtained, should I say, obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. 
We're predestined by God, predetermined by God to do great things, to be all that God wants us to be. I think of when the Bible talks about Paul. At the proper time, Paul was converted. And we ask ourselves, why was he probably 40-some years old before he got converted? Why didn't God do this in the beginning? God has a purpose in everything. And what you have to realize, whether you're 10 or whether you're 60, when you come to Jesus, God has made an appointment before time began for you to come. We know that in Paul's early life that he had, he had been an educated man. His parents were wealthy, sitting under the feet of Gormiel. He had gathered much information about Old Testament. He became a Pharisee. He said, if anybody could boast, I could boast more than you all. He had a Ph.D. in, in, in theology. But none of that mattered. He said, I count that all as dung in comparison to know my Jesus. But God used his Ph.D. God used all that he had gathered. I don't believe anybody could have written the book of Hebrew unless something was inside of them to do that. Inspired, of course, and written by the Holy Ghost through the pen of an educated man. So we realize in this is that we can look at the scars. We can look at the folly. What did, what did Paul say? He said, if you want to measure sinners, he said, I'm chiefest of all of you. He said, I was a waster of the church. I came against the church. He held the coats when Stephen was stoned. He had a lot of regrets in his life. And he could go to God and say, God, why didn't you save me from my own regrets? And God says, because I can use them. Wow. I can use your brokenness. I can use your, your, your disappointments. I can use the wreckage in your life. To further the kingdom of God. Now we look at that and say, wow, this, th this, is, this is something. God is not sitting on the throne, crossing his fingers, wondering when you'll come to him. This is the day. This is the day. The day that you hear, run to the Lord. Because not all will hearken to the call. You know what Jesus said? He said, I wish that none would perish, but that all would come to everlasting life. I remember a man, uh, he used to come here and he used to say to me, God doesn't love everybody. I said, God is love. How could he not? How could love not love? <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. He said, well, God doesn't call everybody. I believe that every person is has a purpose, and every person has an appointment, and every person is called. He said, but few are chosen. Why? Because many don't heed it. I like what one man said. It was, it was uh, a Hagen many years ago. He said, God gave me a revelation and a vision of hell. And he said, in that revelation, he said, I saw people walking waiting before the cross through the blood determined to go to hell he said god doesn't send you there you have to be determined to go there 
And how do you go there? By rejecting the gift. The Bible said by one man, Adam, all have sinned. Come short of the glory of God. He said, but by Jesus, we're all purchased. But then we ask ourselves a question. If we, if we all have the salvation by Jesus, why doesn't everybody? He said, because I leave the gift on every door, but not everybody receives it. Receive it. Purpose. In Ephesians 3.11, it said, According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord, it's an eternal purpose, not just temporary. My purpose on earth isn't temporary. It's eternal. We ask ourselves, why did somebody so, so-and-so suffer that way? Why did so-and-so go through this? Why did this and why did that? You know what? And you say why fast enough and it becomes when. It's time to stand up and say, I don't understand why. But I know this one thing. There's an eternal purpose in it. We, we, can look at, we, we can look at going through hard times. And I'm going to tell you this right now as parents. You know, when you watch your children going through hard times, I know there's something within us that says, let me bear the brunt for them and make it easy for them. But I'm going to tell you this. When we do that, we, that's child abuse. Because we weaken people. That's what happens with our government when they, they tell people. Now, I do believe in helping people. And I do believe when someone's down on their, on, on their fortune or whatever, that we shouldn't, we shouldn't step up and help them. But when you have welfare and when you have those things that permanently. Now, I want you to know if somebody is physically handicapped or something, I'm not talking to you. Uh, you know, don't, don't feel I'm. I, I'm, I'm trying to criticize anybody because I'm not coming from that. But what happens is, is people begin to realize that, hey, you know what? All I got to do is go on the Internet and study something. I can jump in the hammock and get SSI or whatever. You know what that does? It weakens the whole society. It weakens you. It makes you weak when that's all you do is depend upon other sources or other things. Life is tough. My wife and I, and I don't mean to get on storage, but we had a, we had a mobile home, and, and, you know, you couldn't open the front door because the, the roof kind of caved in. <laughs> um, you know, and, and we, lived, we lived a tough life. You know, you know, in the beginning, we didn't have a lot. I was buying my oil six gallons at a time. We couldn't afford to have someone come, you know. And I remember my son would be cold at night. My, the furnace would go out. And, and that furnace, uh, you never knew if it was going to run or not. You just had to pray. It was tough. It was tough. But the thing of it is, is that's what strengthened you. I am determined. I've made up my mind. I'm going forward. Life isn't easy, but God doesn't make it easy because he's growing you up because God doesn't want weaklings. He wants sons. And when I say sons, not gender, we're all. <laughs> Someday I'm going to be a bride. 
you know what I'm saying. I don't you see, you know, those all metaphors of, of, of what God is saying. But he also wants to rise us up to be sons. Because there's an eternal purpose in it. We don't see eternity. He does. As I said yesterday at, at the funeral, I said, heaven is not a place where you sit in a cloud, play a harp, and eat Milky Ways forever. Heaven, telescopes today are being able to reach out and find there are other galaxies. There's other. I'm going to tell you the heavens are vast, and they seem to go on forever. Wouldn't be surprising that uh, I, I go to be with the Lord and, and, and I'm in heaven and he says, Bob, you know what? I've prepared you for such a mission that I'm going to give you. Amen. And I'm going to give you this, this whole sphere. I want you, to, I want you to, to, to watch over and cultivate it and keep it for me. I had a, a, a dream one time that... When I got to heaven, I said, Lord, I said, you know, I never had a lot in this world, you know. And I've always looked at the rich and the famous, and I've always seen all these wonderful things. And, Lord, I'm just going to ask you, would you let me furnish my own mansion? Go for it. I got the best of things. I, I, I got all the things, that, you know, and all the artifacts and the ancients. And, and man, I, I did it up. I did it up. And I was kind of pleased with it. And then one day I went to, to, a, to another person's mansion. And when I got there, I saw these fountains. I saw these glorious celestial things. I, I saw things that I'd never seen before. <coughs> things that just blew my mind. And I went to God and says, why don't you do it for me? I, <laughs> I, I don't like what I've done. <laughs> it was so earthly. So yesterday. Wallpaper's out. <laughs> I want you to know God can do much greater than what you can do. But he has an eternal purpose for your life. It is not just temporary. So when you're going through difficult times, know this one thing. God is preparing you. In Acts 11.23, he says, who when he, came, uh, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all with, uh, that with purpose of heart they would cleave Unto the Lord. With purpose. <coughs> that one's been open. I found a good one. <laughs> you got to be careful what's open, especially when you have grandkids over. <laughs> Thank you. Each one of you have a purpose in life. And we just need to embrace it. Lord, what would you have for me?
before I knew the Lord, I didn't know the Lord. I mean, I went to Sunday school. I used to, my girl used to make me go. It wasn't no pleasant experience for me by any means. And But I'd go. But I didn't really know the Lord until I was 21 years old. And the thing that I remember before I knew him is I'd wake up in the night preaching the gospel, and that horrified me. <laughs> you don't know. I guess it was some leftover child memory that I needed to go get counsel or something. I don't know. But I would wake up in the night, and I'd be preaching the gospel. I shared that with somebody that said, God doesn't speak to sinners. <laughs> you know, some people yap, and they don't even think about it. Well, God spoke to you, didn't he? <laughs> Were you born a saint? <laughs> you know, people, they just throw things out without even thinking about it. <laughs> God. Okay. But I remember I would, I would, you know what God was showing? He was giving me a glimpse of my eternal purpose. Not that I deserved it. I deserved to die. I was a sinner. There was nothing in me, but God loved me. I was just a, a poor French boy from Westbrook. Who am I? But God said to me, you're, my, you're the apple of my eye. I love you. And I care about you. I want to talk about relationship just for a minute and skip on. We need to pursue a deeper relationship with God and with others. In Psalm 63, 1, it says, Oh, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsteth for you. My flesh longeth for you in a dry and a thirsty land where there is no water. You know, have you ever watched a movie where someone is in the desert and they're lost and all of a sudden they see that, but they, there's mirages and, and they crawl and their tongue, you know, if that's, you know, if they really did it well, your lips are all cracked. And, uh, 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 you know what I'm saying? Well, you can picture it here because that's the picture that he, the psalmist wants us to see. Somebody that is just so desperate, lips cracked. Tongue swollen. No water. The body is withering. And he's crawling through that desert and saying, Oh, my soul seeketh out for you. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. God, you're the one. You're the one, Lord Jesus. I thought that was amazing when I really began. You see, and that's what we've got to do with Scripture. People read, speed read over something, and don't even take a look. But when I began to look at that, I said, wow. And I began to picture a movie I saw, <laughs> you know, and thinking, boy, wow. I also want to look at the protection, divine protection from evil. In Psalms 1 and 6 says, the righteous are guided and protected by the Lord. But the evil are on their way to their doom. Don't worry about what's going on with evil people. Oh, I know there's the oligarchs in this country that think they know more than you do. 
There's the metaverse. They're trying to create a place where they can plug you into a tube and you'll live there and happily ever after the rest of your life while they control and own everything. There's all that stuff out there. But he says, listen, he said, they are headed for their doom. Don't worry about them. Because God said, I will protect you. In guidance, seeking directions from God in Psalms 37, 23, said the steps of a good man are order of the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. God will direct you in life. And I, I use that, the steps of a righteous man, same, same interpretation. But they're ordered of the Lord. And how can we know if we don't have an ear to hear? And how will we have an ear to ear if we don't train our ear to hear? And we train our ear to hear by shutting out the world and listening. Listening to the Lord. I could get into encouragement in Romans 14, 9. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and things by which one may edify one another. And then we have kindness. And, and lastly, I, I want to end, uh, you know, it says be kind one to the other. Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. We need to love and esteem our brother to be better than ourselves. And then I want to close with this, and that's enjoyment. He said, do not be drunk with wine in which, but he said, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in the heart to the Lord. God wants us to enjoy this life. You know, I know in some religions they'll sprinkle ashes on their food because they don't, you know, they want to enjoy, uh, you know, uh, things. Uh, some people on Easter, they'll actually get crucified on a cross. And, and, and people, you know, in some religions go on and, and do these things. God doesn't get any glory in any of that. Jesus died once and for all for you. And he wants you to have joy, unspeakable and full of glory. He wants you to live life in abundance. He said, in this life and in the life to come. He said, of course, in this life, there'll be troubles with it. But he said, in the life to come, there won't be. And for each and every one of us to understand and realize, yes, we're living in perilous times, but God said, I love you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but, lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end. And that is the promise of God in these times that we live I've seen people so fearful, so tormented with fear. You go into a restaurant and people with masks on and they're so fearful. They're so fearful that something's going to overcome them, that something's going to, to do something to them. I want you to know the Bible says every man's days are numbered. And it's appointed unto everybody who wants to die. I'm going to die someday if the Lord should tarry. And I need to be okay with that. And I need to be okay with him. 
And know this thing right now. If I die, I am immediately with Jesus. There's no soul sleep, as some would teach. But it's immediate. And I want you to know, each and every one of you, you can have this peace. And it's a peace that passeth understanding. Let us all stand, if we would, this morning. Thank you, Lord. God, we love you. It is such a privilege to share with you. I, I just, in the beginning, wanted to share with you a little bit about current events because I think people need to understand what is going on. Well, the Bible prophesied these things in ancient manuscripts. And the fact that one ancient manu- that one prophecy in an ancient manuscript could come to pass in, in, in exactly is in itself um, phenomenal. But we've seen from the ancient manuscripts hundreds of prophecies come to pass exactly as written in this book. It says in Revelation, and I'm done here, but it said in Revelation, John, the revelator, he saw, and he said, and I saw this thing. He said, it sounded like many chariots and many horses. And I looked in the face, and the face was the face of a man. And he had these stingers, and, and he goes on. And you can take a modern helicopter today with a, that is man that, that can annihilate a whole city with its missiles and stuff uh, because it had a stinger. It, 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 it just was something else. How else would you describe it? But John described it to the T. And a hundred years ago, they couldn't even decipher, what does this all mean? We're living in that day that now we can read the Scripture. It makes sense because God says uh, don't uh, th- that this word or these uh, revelations are for those that live in the end day. We're seeing it. But it's fascinating. It's exciting. It really is. I'm glad I live today. I thank God for my microwave. The old wood cook stove. (laughs) I'd rather have what I have. You know what I mean? Yes, it does come with it does come with challenges like income taxes and and insurance, all kind, I don't want to go there. Uh, but anyway, there are other challenges. But one thing we have to say is, Lord, you appointed me for today. This is the day the Lord hath made. This is my life. Somebody says to me, oh, I lived in the best years. <laughs> well, those are your years. Of course they're best. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm living in the best years. Because <laughs> they're my years, the ones God's given me. And I'm going to go forward with Jesus. You go, you going forward with me? Are you believing God, you know, for the purpose in your life to go forward in Jesus' name? Let's all bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you, Lord God, that you are with us. We thank you, Lord, that we are surely living in the last days. We see it all about us. But God, you said, when you see these things come to pass, look up and rejoice. Hallelujah. Because time is at hand and I am coming for my church. And Lord, we thank you for your love and for your presence in this house. In Jesus' name, and all you want on Facebook, God bless you, and have a great day.